Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. This is episode three, and for this one, I was joined by my coworker at NBC Sports Edge or Roto World, uh, Zach Hanshu, and we were able to discuss the Magic, the Wizards, and the Jazz, as well as how he got his start in the fantasy industry and where all those creative blurbs come from, because we know some of the best headlines uh, in the company that go on Twitter are from the legend known as Zach Hanshu. So uh, really excited about putting this episode out. We had a good time uh, discussing fantasy hoops. Uh, Make sure you're liking and subscribing uh, to the podcast so you can stay up to date. Episodes come in every Friday. And then also to my Substack where uh, weekly columns will be coming out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, As more teams get eliminated from the playoffs, we'll start getting to those teams as well. Um, It should take us right up into the draft. Uh, getting through all 30 teams, and then we'll start doing different types of content. But it's been really fun so far, and I'm excited to put this episode out. So here's Zach. Welcome to episode three of the Tank Me Later podcast. My name is Noah Rubin. I am joined by at Zach the Monster, Zach Hanshu, Roto World slash NBC Sports Edge slash whatever we are, um, the king of creative blurbs. Zach, before I even hear from you, I want to start off by listing some examples of some of the ones I just went through earlier and just found a few that you've done. Um, I saw a very popular one. Uh, you listed Zach Collins is out with a paper cut uh, when he had a finger injury and then added that he probably cut it on their comically long injury report. And then you have Thregan Murray, the classic, also just adding in that they're injured because of Victor Wembenyama. As we know, every tanking team, if they have a slight boo-boo, you're out 10 games because we need Wemby. And then we have the right call because Elon was starting over Monte Morris and then shout out to all my Franz because Franz Wagner was playing Zach. Where do you come up with some of this stuff? I'll tell you what, man, these are, these are just nothing but terrible dad jokes and and bad puns that, that (laughs) I don't know, man. I try not to take myself too seriously when writing these up. And so hopefully, I appreciate you shouting those out. Hopefully, they give people a little bit of a chuckle. They usually they usually give me a little bit of a chuckle when I'm writing them. So, um, yeah, appreciate it, man. Well, look, if it's just me and you chuckling, it's just me and you chuckling. But it's definitely at least two people. I love That's it every right. single time. Um, Zach, you're working with NBC slash Roto World now. I know we've talked probably a couple times about how you got into fantasy sports and writing about it. But if you can just kind of – Tell our new viewers about how you got into creating basketball content. Yeah, man, I'll go quick with this. Um, I've been writing fantasy content for about five years now, uh, almost exactly five years ago. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, playing fantasy football. That was my big thing back then. Um, and I was doing a podcast with a buddy of mine that we were just sharing with league mates um, I actually ripped the idea off from uh, fantasy footballers, which is how they got their start. Uh, so we were just talking shit on everybody else in the league and just kind of going through that sort of thing, giving weekly recaps of matchups. 
And I thought oh, I'll start, you know, putting some blurbs out and start, you know, writing some actual content. Um, I applied for a gig at Fantasy Pros and got rejected. Uh, started my own website, just a real basic WordPress thing where we were pumping out some goofy articles a couple times a week. Uh, reapplied over the summer and got hired on with them and went on to do, um, you know, over 500 uh, football articles and basketball articles with them over the next years. Um, got into editing with them. Um, and I started doing some blurbs over at uh, Roto Wire uh, for NBA, which was my first take of NBA action. And uh, eventually just figured out that I liked basketball a little bit more. And uh, the rest is history. I ended up uh, applying at NBC, Sports Edge, whatever, like you said, uh, you know, whatever you want to call this website that we're working for right now. Uh, back in, I guess, I guess that was 2021, right? Coming up on year and a half now. Yeah. I think you and I started right about at the same time. And uh, yeah, put in the application just on a whim and ended up interviewing with uh, uh, Ryan and Dr. A. And yeah, been with, with them ever since. Yeah, well, quite a ride. I think it's something that definitely a lot of people that if they're interested in getting into writing about fantasy sports, something they can replicate, just got to kind of take a step, put yourself out there a little bit and just keep trying. Like you said, you didn't get the first one with uh, fantasy pros, but you were able to, you know, pump out content on your own. And now you're now you're where you are, which is a pretty cool gig. Um, and it's a busy gig, obviously, but uh, we just ended the regular season where we had 15 games on Sunday. I think by the time this comes out, it'll be a few weeks after that. So we'll probably have some play-in uh, updates, probably first-round playoffs will be going on. But we're just going to talk about how the regular season ended because we're not going to talk about any teams that are in the postseason. We're going to talk about some teams whose seasons are already over. And we'll start with a fun one, uh, the Orlando Magic, who have – counting earlier, I believe eight lottery picks currently on their roster. Um, and I could, I guess maybe even more if you include like Michael Carter Williams, I, he may have been a lottery pick. Uh, but if we're talking about fairly recent lottery picks, I think it's eight of them, you know, Markel Fultz, Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, Paolo Bancaro, who's probably going to win rookie of the year. Uh, a couple other guys like Gary Harris, Bull Bull, who's kind of buried on the bench, Mo Wagner. Yeah, that's kind of the rundown of Orlando's roster. We'll start with we'll start with Bancaro, Zach. You know, he's a guy that finished, I believe, outside the top 200 in nine cat value as a rookie, but I think everybody kind of knows he's much better than that. Just kind of some rookie issues that he had to work through uh, as far as efficiency. But where do you see the next few years going for him? Yeah, I mean, so Bancaro did finish outside the top 200. Uh, it wasn't a phenomenal fantasy. Uh, it was a great season from an NBA perspective. Uh, he is the rookie of the year, um, although I don't think it's I don't think it's a runaway between him and and Jalen Williams. He's the favorite for good reason. Average 20 points a game, uh, but from a fantasy perspective, mentioned man. Um, you know, if you punted field goal percentage and turnovers, um, you know, he was right outside the top 100. So there's obviously an avenue for him to improve. And the free throw percentage was garbage as well. That can that can certainly uh, improve. Those are rookie warts that I think everybody 
you can't expect uh, slight improvements on the def- you know defensive end as far as racking up defensive stats, um, and he can easily you know jump into the top seventy-five. Um, so there's there's a ton of uh, didn't live up to his ADP this year, but absolutely the ceiling is phenomenal. Yeah, he's definitely a guy to build around. It really seems after we went first overall last year that unless they just absolutely luck out again and select first overall again, that he's going to kind of be the face of the franchise along with their other however many lottery picks they're going to end up having. Uh, Because I believe they'll also have Chicago's unless Chicago lucks out and gets into the top four. So we're looking at two more lottery picks, adding to this already crowded roster, certainly a team that can make some sort of trade, but we won't (laughs) speculate too much on that yet. Let's talk about Franz Wagner. Shout out to all my Franz. Uh, Finished just outside the top 100 uh, for the second year in a row after doing so as a rookie. Um, He's a guy I really like. I like him as a talent, um, efficient player, can get to the basket well, just kind of does a lot all around, um, but maybe isn't necessarily as aggressive all the time as a guy like Bancaro is. Do you see, you know, playing alongside Bancaro, him still, you know, eventually getting inside the top 100 or even top 75? Yeah, he can. I mean, look, he can certainly get inside the top 100. I mean, as you mentioned, he was just outside that mark. Um, he does do just a little bit of everything, uh, almost 19 as a scorer. Um one steal a game, um, you know, doesn't wow you with the rebounds, with the assists, uh, but the numbers are solid. Uh, he's an efficient shooter, uh, which is something that for fantasy folks, that's always something that is highly prized. Um, so, yeah, he could continue to be great. And I, it's not something that is super concerning to me that he's going to have Bancaro. Uh, you know, they're going to have, as you mentioned, uh, two more lottery picks this year. They're going to have uh, probably a top six or seven pick, almost guaranteed. They're going to get somebody like an Anthony Black, one of the Thompson twins, somebody like that. And then they'll pick somewhere towards the back end of the lottery and end up with somebody else really good there. Um, but he cemented himself as somebody on this team that is going to be in the starting lineup, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, we've seen him play point fronds. You know, he can get teammates involved when he needs to. He can take over a game as a scorer when he needs to. Um, as you mentioned, not necessarily the most aggressive, but he has shown flashes of that. Um, yeah, another guy whose ceiling is very high. I don't think his ceiling is quite as high as Bancaro's, but top 100 is, is uh, I think that's being very conservative with, you know, his ceiling. Definitely. Pretty much a no-brainer that he's going to get inside the top 100 very quickly. It's just how much higher can he go? Uh, we'll talk about the only guy that finished inside the top 109 cat leagues this past season, Markel Fultz, who has been known as an injury-prone player, but after he missed the first month or so of the season, he didn't miss a game until he got a rest day with like two games left, which really surprised me that he was able to go that long, you know, not really missing back-to-backs, just being able to play, which is really cool to see from him. Um, he's limited with his shooting from distance, uh, but he's still a very solid contributor. Zach, do you think if he sticks around as the point guard of the future that he's a guy – that uh, can continue to stay inside the top 100 and maybe even higher up. Absolutely, man. I, I mean, we've seen from Fultz. I, I think Fultz gets a bad rap as a bust just because of the Jason Tatum situation that, uh, you know, Boston traded back. Um, and, and obviously he's, he could be viewed as a bust because he's missed so many games. Um, 
But when he's been on the court, I mean, it's been pretty impressive. Um, he's a guy that he's a good rebounder for a guard. Obviously, he's great at getting teammates involved. He's a reliable scorer, and he can rack up steals with the best of them, which, again, in fantasy, when you can get those defensive numbers, uh, again, that's something that's very highly valuable. Uh, so the biggest question mark for him is going to continue to be health. But, you know, if we see what we saw from him this year and he starts the season off, you know, fully healthy, I think he could be he could be phenomenal. He could certainly be a top 75 guy. Yeah, I think the only way that he isn't is if Orlando gets the number two pick in the draft and takes Scoot Henderson. Probably the yeah. only way they don't, um, which would be just terrible luck for Fultz. Um, or if they decide to make some sort of consolidation trade, bring in a star point guard. We'll see. It's probably too early for those trade rumors, though Bleacher Report and everybody else has no hesitancy if – any sort of kind of sort of rumor flies off. I don't know if you saw, I think today, I know this will come a few weeks after, but uh, Trey Young, they just, there was a report that the Hawks front office is, uh, has the blessing from ownership to kind of do what they want with the roster. And after being kind of taken a few times by different sources that turned into, yeah, so they're going to trade Trey Young. So is it going to happen? No, but there's certainly quite a, quite a few point guards that could move on. This is all speculation, of course, but if it happens, it happens. But Fultz definitely, whether it's in Orlando, potentially somewhere else, has a bright future finally after five or six years of trials and tribulations. But let's uh, let's talk about a really fun one. A guy who, let's see how many games he played this season. 11. Jonathan Isaac, who played basketball this year, which was really cool. Uh, I think there was a report that says he will be ready for training camp in the start of the season. I don't even want to say I believe it. I just, after everything he's kind of been through, I really hope for his sake that he can just play basketball. Uh, Zach, do you believe that he will play basketball coming up in the next few seasons? I, I mean, yeah, I believe he'll play basketball. It's just a matter of how much he's going to play. I mean, we got two years off, and he came back for, as you said, 11 games. And what was the average, 10 and a half minutes or, or something I think silly? it was 11.3. Like 11.3, okay. So <laughs> 11 point – so, I mean, the guy played less than 150 total minutes after two years off, and then he got re-injured at the end of the year. So not not highly encouraging – uh, for a fantasy perspective, especially if you've held on to him in Dynasty. Uh, I am curious to see this year, though, now that the incentives in his contract kick in and it's not $17 million guaranteed, maybe we see some urgency with him. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe it really is the fact that he is just dealing with something ridiculously serious uh, of an injury and we just never see him come back to full strength like we saw him before. Yeah, it definitely has all the talent in the world. These injuries have just plagued him. And it's to the point where it's it's funny almost. Like it's basically a joke. Like, oh, is Jonathan Isaac going to play? Oh, my gosh, he's injured again. But I also feel just so bad for him because it's yeah. obviously, you know, he's been going through all these injuries. You plan your whole life just preparing to get to the NBA, and now it's all derailed like this. So hopefully he's able to come back and play. Um because, I mean, we've seen a couple guys recently, like John Wall as well, that just years taken off their career from injuries. Lonzo Ball, who knows when he's going to come back. So just kind of unfortunate to see. But, yeah, Orlando definitely has 
all the talent to have a bright future. Uh, I don't remember their exact record off the top of my head, but I think after Markel Fultz came back, they were over 500. So I think if they didn't get off to kind of a slow start, they could have been competing for a play-in game. I'd be pretty shocked if next season they weren't uh, competing for the play-in, especially with some of the teams that have been in the postseason recently kind of falling off a little bit. Who knows what's going on with Chicago, uh, Toronto. So like, I'll throw it out there. Even Atlanta, who knows? I yeah. I like to, I like to say that we're we're good, but as a fan, I got I'll be I'll try to be unbiased and say uh, who knows what's going to happen. So um, we will let's see. Let's move. Let's stay in the east. Let's stay in the southeast as well. So let's talk about Washington and the Wizards. Who it probably seemed like they were gunning for the play in or some postseason basketball. Didn't really work out. Um, probably could have made a push to barely make the play-in, but ended up kind of pulling the plug. Um, led by Chris Porzingis, Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, a couple other solid guys like Daniel Gafford, DeLon Bright, Monte Morris, Denny Abdia, Corey Kispert, and then first-round pick Johnny Davis, who spent the majority of the season in the G League before finally getting some playing time late, and he actually did pretty well. So I know Washington force-fed him minutes and force-fed him the ball as much as possible, but Zach, it really seemed like he was going to end up being a bust because people were confused. Like, why can't he even get on the court? He just picked him 10 overall. Uh, But he showed a little bit down the stretch, uh, obviously some inefficient rookie issues, but do you see him as a guy that can be part of Washington's future if they stick with this core, I think if they blow it up and rebuild that obviously he'll see minutes like he did down the stretch, but if they kind of try and run it back season, is he a guy that can be part of their rotation? I think they should certainly give him a look. I mean, Washington is constantly in, and this is, this is the team that is, you know, quote unquote, my hometown team. I'm you know about 70 miles from DC. So I root actively root for Washington and they have they have just been in this no man's land bubble of like the six to ten seed every single year. They don't seem like they're ever you know pushing over the hump, and sometimes they're really terrible. Uh, so yeah, they need to mix things up here. Uh, I think if they keep with this current core, I'm not necessarily sure that that Davis sees a ton of run next year, uh, especially with Bradley Beal just commanding all those guard minutes and all that usage. Um, and as you mentioned, they also have some guys that are pretty good in the backcourt as well. They have DeLon Wright. They have um, Jordan Goodwin. I'm not a big fan of Monty mm. Morris, but he's there and they're committed <laughs> to giving him minutes. Um, so, no, I don't see it. I, I mean, but the final five games of the season, 17 points, six assists, three rebounds, or six rebounds, three assists, one and a half steals, almost a block and two triples. Uh, so Johnny Davis, he showed some good flashes at the end of the year, uh, and he was one of uh, he was one of my favorite scorers coming out of college. I mean, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, you want to see a little bit more than just the scoring, uh, but from an NBA perspective, this is a guy that can go out and consistently give you 15 points a night, and Washington could certainly use somebody like that coming off the bench with consistent rotation minutes. Um, I'm not sure that he gets them, but I think they should certainly mix things up and give it to him. Yeah, I definitely see that kind of electric score roll off the bench being possible next season. But does that result in him getting 20 minutes a game when you have Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and Chris Porzingis taking the majority of the shots? I mean, 
health hasn't exactly been on their side over the past couple of seasons. Um, with I think Bradley Beal played 50 games this season. Chris Apps was able to play 65, which is great for him, and Ku's playing mm-hmm. 64, which isn't bad. Um, but is let's talk about Bradley Beal, I guess. So two seasons ago and three seasons ago, averaging 30 a game, and the past two seasons really tailed off. He averaged 23.2 for actually the second straight season. Uh, he's not not scoring at the level he was before. It kind of seemed like maybe he was trying to play team basketball and play winning basketball, but it's actually resulted in them going to the lottery twice in a row. So do you see Beal potentially bouncing back next season after two straight seasons averaging 23 after averaging 31? I I don't know. I don't I don't see it. If they keep this same – I mean, we'll have to just kind of stick with that caveat. If they keep this same lineup, no – uh, because Porzingis is going to get his, Kuz is going to get his. Uh, I thought, you know, they didn't make the playoffs, but I thought Beal actually was a little bit better this year. It was kind of nice to see him. He shot better than 50% this year. He was very efficient. It was the first time in his career, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yep. Um, as you mentioned, just 23 points, but if you have 23 points from him, 20 from Kuz, 20 from KP, um, and then solid contributions from guys like Kispert, um, you know, guys like DeLon Wright, um, guys like Avdia, Gafford. Uh, you know, that's a that's a team that can compete at least for a play-in spot in the East. Um, so I don't necessarily know that we're ever going to see him get back to second-round value Bradley Beal. I don't know that that's part of – I don't know that that's part of what the team wants him to do at this point anymore. Um, you know, he doesn't need to carry this team with scoring, you know, 32 points a game. Um, so, no, I mean, he finished his, what, a sixth rounder this year, fifth rounder this year, um, mm-hmm. you know, 55 overall. Um, I think his ADP will fall next year, and I think you can get him for closer to value, and he won't end up being a bust. But I, do I see him ever getting back to, um, you know, 30-point-a-game deal? I doubt it. Yeah. It's interesting because with Washington, you know, they have a lot of pieces that, like you said, on paper, they should be a playoff team. They have arguably like a, I don't know, top 15, at least top 10 scorer in the league. Like in Beal, like I think at his peak, he hasn't shown it the past two seasons, but I think he's capable of, I mean, we saw him average 30 twice in a row. So he's still capable of it. Mm-hmm. Christoph Sporzingis is a dynamic center that, you know, pretty much like, when he's healthy, very hard to guard, good shot blocker. Kyle Kuzma is a great third option as a scorer on offense. Um, then other pieces like DeLon Wright, who I think we would agree is an excellent perimeter defender, really good at coming away with steals. Uh, Corey Kispert showed down the stretch just how good of a shooter he is. I think he hit nine threes in one game. Um, D is solid. Like They have a couple lottery guys that I think didn't pan out as well as they maybe wanted them to but it's a team that should be in the playoffs. So it's it's interesting. I guess we can talk about this real quick before we talk about maybe a couple more players. If you were in charge and you were the GM of Washington, how quickly are you blowing things up? Or are you trying to run it back one more year and just kind of see? Uh, at this point, I'm blowing it up right now. I, I, I really think – you know, KP and Kuz are, uh, they have player options for this coming summer. Uh, both of those guys want to get paid, uh, especially Kuzma. I, I think Kuzma's gone personally. Uh, I, I'm not sure that Washington pays him. Uh, if it was me running the team, 
Yeah, I'd blow things up right away. I mean, you got ideally uh, the best season you could get from Chris Dabbs Porzingis as far as his health and as far as his production. Uh, you saw Kuzma with one of the best seasons of his career. And as you mentioned, you saw all these role players really just kind of come into their own and play great basketball, and you still fell short. So I don't think there's any value in continuing to run something back that uh, you could just say, hey, this might work. We might be able to make it uh, unless you really feel confident and really feel sure about something, which I can't imagine they do. Uh, then I'd be blowing this thing up right now. Yeah. And you mentioned with Chris Stapps' health. As a rookie, he played 72 games. Second season, he played 66. And then he hadn't played 60 up until this season. So he played 65 games. Came really close. He could have played 70. I think they kind of pulled the plug a little bit. Didn't want to mm-hmm. risk him getting hurt. Wanted to help their lottery odds. You know, the classic last month of the season. That's so fun for fantasy. But um, do you see him potentially, whether it's with Washington or a different team, getting back to that 65-game mark or at least 60 games? Or do you think that that's something that's kind of like a, a fluke for him at this point? Yeah, I don't know if it's a fluke. I, I feel like I feel like those are such hard things to predict. But, no, I, I feel like he can get back to the 60-game mark again. Um, I mean, and for fantasy, I feel like he's always somebody that's, that's going to be high risk and high reward because his injury risk is going to be baked into where you dra- are able to draft him. Um, but this season, he finished inside the top 20, which is something that he always finishes, um, you know, on a per game. I mean, not always, but – almost always on a per game basis uh, because he really is that unicorn. He could block shots. He can hit threes. He was awesome from three point range this year. Uh, He can score. He can rebound. uh, He can do just about everything. And so you're always just kind of, you know, crossing your fingers that he doesn't sit out for an extended number of games. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, something that is definitely very, very difficult to predict um, I think we're pretty much on the same page about that they should blow this up. Um, if they blow it up, that would probably include, if they do it right, trading away Beal, Chris Stapps, and Kyle Kuzma. Um, I think Kuz is a guy that is a really good scorer, but he doesn't really contribute anything defensively, uh, statistically, and I guess the efficiency is not really there. Three turnovers per game, 45% from the field, 73% from the line this past season. That kind of limits him in category leagues. Um, But if they were to move some of those guys away, that could allow minutes for Kispert, Avdia. I know we've talked about Johnny Davis and then whoever they get in the lottery. Hypothetically, I know the old podcast was hypothetically speaking, but we'll we'll do hypothetically speaking here. They trade away Beal, they trade away Chris Stapps, they trade away Kuzma. How good do you think a guy like Corey Kispert could be as the starting shooter? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think he could be. Are, are we talking top one hundred? I think top one hundred certainly is uh, within his range of outcomes. Um, uh, I would be curious to see, I think one is dependent on who's left on the roster, uh, because if they trade those guys away, you know, are they going just for picks? Are they going for, uh, you know, consolidation and trying to, um, you know, bring back some other players that are at least competent? Uh, But I have to imagine if they trade those guys, it's mostly going to be for picks and they're going to go into that rebuild. Uh, So if Kispert is the starter and there's not too many guys around him, 
yeah, we saw what he could do here at the end of the year, and he's a lights-out three-point shooter, and he proved that he can do a little bit more in the box score than just score and just shoot threes. Uh, so, yeah, top 100, certainly within his range of outcomes and maybe with the potential for just a little bit more. Yeah. So kind of with your, I think, our shared opinion of Washington should blow this up. Will they? I don't know. But if you're playing in a dynasty league, what are you doing with your Wizards players? Are you just kind of wait and see mode? Are you saying, ah, I could kind of want to get these guys off my roster? Or are you saying, ooh, like, I'm going to go try and get them for good value before they can maybe see more minutes. Yeah, I think with uh, with Kuz and – well, maybe not with Kuz. I think certainly for Porzingis, uh, he's a guy that if I can sell high and get a lot of value from, I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. Uh, because let's say he ends up going to a team that I, – I, I mean, hell, let's, uh, this is totally never going to happen, but let's say he goes to a team like the Lakers. I mean, you know, obviously his value goes – way down let's say he goes you know back to dallas let's say he goes you know let's say he goes to a team where he's not going to be utilized as much as he is as the number one guy in washington Uh, then his value goes down right now it's an unknown where he's playing next season so his value is what it is i i don't think it can go higher than what it is right now i think it can certainly go lower um so for him somebody that i i would be trading uh, for Kuz, it's a wait and see for me. I think he can. I think he can go to a better situation. Uh, I think if he's on a team that is even worse than Washington, uh, he could certainly take on even more of a load on offense and get better. So I think his ceiling is a little bit higher. And then I think for Washington's role players, like a Kispert, like an Avdia, like a uh, Johnny Davis, like a Delon Wright, I think those are guys that if you can get them on the cheap, I think I would certainly be trying to do so. Um, and, and just something th- this has nothing to do with, um, you know, redraft necessarily. I think it comes into play a little bit for Dynasty. Uh, but did you know Kuz and Porzingis, uh, they're only a week apart in age, both born in the summer of 95. I, I could have sworn Porzingis That's was so much wild. Older. Yeah, I <laughs> really, yeah. Well, because Kuz came out later, obviously, because he spent a couple of years in college, but I, I would have thought Kuz was older than. Porzingis, but that's interesting. That's I think when somebody comes out of college and they're not 19 years old, in my mind, they come into the league as like 30 and (laughs) they're just like, they're basically on their way out when they get drafted. So I need to fix that (laughs) because you miss out on guys like Jalen Williams if you do that. But because I think he's 21, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like in my mind, that's a, that's a red flag going off. I need them to be, 18 and a half years old when they get on my dynasty roster, but um, we will move to a third and final team for this episode with the Utah jazz. Zach coming into this season, I think it would have been pretty difficult to find somebody predicting that they would get more than 25 wins, maybe 30, but they ended up with 37. We're in the, the middle of the playoff race. Then we're in the middle of the play in race. And if we're being honest, they probably could have ended up making the play-in tournament if they tried. But I don't think that was – it's an interesting situation. I think everybody probably thought that they would be picking the top five, like have lo- top five lottery odds at the end of the season. They finished out strong, quote-unquote strong, as far as losing a bunch of games and helping their odds, and they'll go in with the 
ninth best lottery odds after a 37 and 45 season. Um, they have Larry Mark, Lori Markinen. Uh, they have Jordan Clarkson. They have Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, Walker Kessler. I think you call him uh, Walker Kessler Ranger. Or how do you how do you use your your name pun for that? I don't know. Sometimes Blocker Kessler. Sometimes just the <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> just the Ranger. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, we had. Kelly Olinick, we have Colin Sexton, Ochai Ogbaji. I hope I didn't butcher that. And then we have the Chris Dunn resurgence. And then another lottery pick, as well as two other first round picks. Zach, Utah is an interesting team. Uh, they're probably not going to add the talent that a lot of people probably thought they would. Uh, where do you kind of see like how how long is this rebuild going to last for Utah now that they're not adding necessarily a top five pick still could with the chance I mean the twenty point three percent chance to hop into the top four four point five percent chance to get the top pick do you see Utah just kind of remaining competitive did they blow it all up to get a bunch of picks to just be in the middle of the pack for a little bit where do you think they kind of go after this season. Yeah, I think I think we'll see a major move from them this offseason. I think Danny Ainge is a I mean, he's he's so brilliant, right? I mean, we saw him uh, the Rudy Gobert. I know this is coming out in 3 weeks after recording, but I mean, punch and slow-mo in, in a game last night. Uh, they were noticeably better this season if you look at the numbers when Gobert was off the court uh, as opposed to when he was on the court and Utah absolutely fleeced uh, Minnesota in that deal. And Walker Kessler just looks like he was fantasy's number one rookie this year on a per game basis. Uh, but just in real life, I, I mean, just an imposing force, uh, a guy that did a lot of the same things really well that Gobert did patrol the paint, rebound, block shots, um, you know, disrupt opponents coming into the paint. So they are, they are just so well run right now with Ainge at the helm. I think I don't think he's a type of guy that sits and waits around for too much to happen, and especially not if they're going to be sitting in the middle of the pack like they were here. Uh, I mean, honestly, Utah did everything right this year except for lose more games. So um, I, I absolutely think we're going to see a big-time move from them. They have a treasure trove of picks. They can bring in another star, maybe two. They have cap space. Uh, this team, it, it the future looks so bright for them. As you mentioned, Walker Kessler, Lowry Markinen just having uh, an incredible season that I don't think anybody saw coming. Uh, I think we all expected him to take a step forward, but uh, nothing to this degree. And we still have Colin Sexton, who was reined in for the most part this year, uh, you know, behind a Mike Connolly uh, with Jordan Clarkson kind of taking center stage and with dealing with multiple injuries. But I think if they can unleash Colin Sexton as well, uh, they can get a lot out of him moving forward too. And just to recap that trade, because I saw it again earlier today, two, three unprotected firsts in 2023, 25, and 27, a top five protected in 2029, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, and Leandro Bomero. I hope that's pronounced correctly, but obviously they swung most of those players, just held on to Kessler, who is, I don't know if he's been as good as Pete Gobert, but he's been really freaking good as a rookie at center. Um, so they have a nice like big man duo already. That's like, you could argue that could be the core for the next five, at least years. 
they have what seems to be a good head coach and Will Hardy, good culture, good system, like a team that's competing, knowing kind of that they were written off from the beginning. So I think it's a good organization that's set up to actually, you know, make a run at some point if they can acquire the talent. Uh, how that happens, when that happens, I would trust in Danny Ainge. But uh, for the next few seasons, obviously, they're going to add another lottery pick. But if we look at Markkinen, was this a fluke season? He just finished in the top 20 in nine cat leagues, um, started as an all-star. He played 66 games, but honestly kind of got shut down down the stretch. If they were interested in competing, he probably would have played even more games, which is there's not many guys that are finishing that high that are playing that many games. There's only a handful. I think Jason Tatum, uh, Damana Sabonis, Vucevic, there may be like one other guy because I was looking earlier at guys that played, you know, 75 plus games. Tatum may have been 74, but anyways, uh, that amount of games hard to replicate. Is that something that Markinen is going to continue to do for a few seasons? Or do you think this is kind of an opportunity to sell high? No, I, I don't think we've seen the best of marketing yet. Um, I don't think this is a uh, I don't think this is a fluke season. Uh, he's still a very young guy. Uh, we we saw how well he could play. We saw flashes of this in Chicago. Obviously, nowhere near this level, uh, but we saw what he could do in Chicago. We saw certainly what he could do in Cleveland when he pivoted to the small forward role and played that jumbo big lineup uh, alongside Jared Allen and <clears throat> Evan Mobley. And he really played well in that role uh, also. So this year you see increase in minutes uh, it, and with increase in usage, still had a very efficient season. He took a step forward is in terms of field goal percentage, uh, took a step forward uh, as a three-point shooter, three triples a game, uh, rebounds went through the roof. Uh, you know, obviously he's, he's not big on the steals and blocks. He's not a guy that's going to get you a ton of either. Uh, but as far as scoring, threes, rebounds, and efficient shooting, and the guy's great from the free throw line too, which is something you don't necessarily get from a big all the time. So, no, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think this was his first season as a team's true number one option. And if Utah has uh, – if the roster looks similar to this next year, uh, as I mentioned, I think they probably will have uh, – they probably will make a deal. But if he is the number one scoring option next year, I expect him to be even better. Yeah, definitely a very fantasy-friendly game. Uh, not a guy that they're probably going to be looking to move. They're wanting to hold on to him for a while, I'd imagine, and kind of build with him or around him. We'll see. Um, but the other guy that, you know, Blocker Kessler, Walker Kessler, the Ranger, uh, whatever you want to call him, a guy that over the final two months of the season provided second-round value. Uh, he mm-hmm. doesn't hit threes. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't make free throws. But he averaged over the final two months 12.1 points, 10.8 rebounds, and three blocks while shooting 73.5% from the field. He's arguably you know, a better long-term dynasty prospect than Markkinen. He might be the best on the team uh, just for the shot-blocking upside because – and we've talked about this all season. There's only a handful of true shot blockers in the NBA. You know, there's Jared Jackson Jr. There's Robert Williams when he's healthy. Uh, you know, the, some of the guys like Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo. There's like a handful, but there's only a handful. 
and Kessler as a rookie proved that he can be among the best. Hypothetically, you're doing a, a dynasty startup draft right now, 12 teams. What round are you taking him in? I, I think part of this depends on your build, but if we're just looking at pure talent, age, uh, fantasy value in a vacuum, uh, I don't think he gets outside of the first three rounds. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say, around third round, just because I feel when you're doing a draft, you want to get some young, fun stars that score a lot of points. Maybe he doesn't necessarily do that, but I think first three rounds, if he's going outside of that, that's probably way too way too late, especially with you know the stats that he kind of dominates and that he's going to be able to do for a long time. I mean, he did that as a rookie. There's not many rookies that are blocking three shots and shooting 73.5% from the field over the final two months. So definitely an incredibly intriguing, uh, valuable dynasty asset at this point. Um, you mentioned Colin Sexton. Is he a guy that, you know, barring them probably picking either Scoot Henderson at two or if they end up taking like a, a Case and Wallace Nick Smith, maybe there's not, I guess, a ton of point guards, excuse me, outside of Scoot. Um, assuming Sexton is kind of a starter for at least the next season, who knows what happens a couple seasons down the road, but next season is Colin Sexton, a guy that can kind of pop the way a lot of people predicted heading into the season. I know I had him pretty high on, on my rankings because I was looking earlier today, um, a lot higher than he ended up finishing because he was, let's see, he was 240 according to Basketball Monster last season, or this past season, on in 48 games. So is he a guy that you can see, I don't know, approach, let's say top 150. We'll say we'll be generous because it feels like he scores, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, can he get to top 150? I, I don't think that's too, I don't think that's too lofty of a goal. Um, I I had him very high this year as well, and obviously complete bust for fantasy purposes. Um, but if we could see another year of him uh, and the team actually makes a commitment to getting him minutes uh, as opposed to some veterans, like I mentioned, you know, Mike Connolly, Jordan Clarkson, if we can see a little bit more emphasis on getting him some minutes, um, if he could stay healthy for the entire season, I absolutely think he can get to top 150. And I certainly think top 100 is, you know, it's within his range of outcomes. Um, you know, Lowry Markinen and Walker Kessler are going to be top, you know, what, 50 guys for years to come. Yeah. Uh, but, and Markinen is a great scorer. Uh, Kessler, that's not his game necessarily. So who's going to be that second or third option? You know, we've seen Sexton average 24 points a game in Cleveland. Uh, so it's not going to be crazy to see him get back up to 20 points per game if they kind of unleash him next season. Um, so yeah, I think, I think top, let's call it top 125. We'll split the difference and, and call it that for next season. And I absolutely think he's going to come at a discount in fantasy drafts after he burns so many people and myself included. Uh, and I think he'll end up being a, a pretty sneaky late round flyer in drafts. Yeah. I don't remember how many drafts I ended up getting him in just because it felt like he went a little bit too high for me, but when we did our eight cat rankings for the draft guide, I had him at 72. So mm. I think that might be, that may have ended up being a little high. I know there's a lot of people high on him, but 
yeah, honestly, looking back at all of those rankings, I'm looking forward to some redemption next season with the rankings because those were <laughs> god awful. Um, very, very, very awful. But, um, Sexton, I don't think will be anywhere near 72, probably ever. So take yeah. that for what it is. Um, that was definitely way too high. Um, and of course, the caveat with literally everything we just said is unless Wemby, because if any of these teams ends up getting the number one overall pick, gets Wembenyama, that changes the entire dynamic of everything on the team. If the Jazz get him, the overload at forward, I mean, who knows? Maybe they go Markinen back at the three, Wemby at the four, Walker Kessler at the five. That would be you know, a remade version of the Cleveland front court that they did with Markinen at the three. That would be incredibly intriguing and very, very scary to play against. Uh, if you look at Orlando, they already have, you know, they traded away Bamba, but they still have Wendell Carter, Paolo Bancaro, Franz Wagner. What do they do? Do they trade Wendell? Probably that's probably the way to go. And then Washington, I don't know. They'd probably trade Chris Tufts at that point, or maybe they have a Twin Towers. It seems like everybody's going to have a Twin Towers if they if they win the lottery and get Wembenyama. Zach, one last basketball question since I talk about Wembenyama. And it probably depends a little bit, a little bit on the situation. Like there's probably a difference between him being drafted to Houston or versus San Antonio versus the Thunder as far as you know his fantasy impact. But just kind of generally speaking, you're drafting the player, it doesn't really matter what team. You're doing a dynasty startup draft. How many guys would you actually take above him, having never seen him play an NBA game? Ooh. Probably, oh man, probably Jokic. And maybe I would consider Luca. Maybe I would consider Giannis, but probably just Joker. Uh, and then, and then it's going to go to Vic after that. I, I can't see. I cannot see me going past one or two players for him. Yeah, I was. I mean, there's probably a handful of guys that you can make an argument for probably make an argument for like a, a Luca or like a, a Lamelo, a, a Jokic, a Giannis. But I don't know, man. You're getting a guy who's 19 that is seven foot four or whatever, shoots threes, blocks, does – I mean, every highlight is practically a joke. I laugh half the time I watch his highlights because yeah. it's just so ridiculous, so fun to watch. But, yeah, it's it's hard to – it's hard to picture many guys that you would take over, especially just for the amount of upside. But um, before we call it an episode, Zach, um, for anybody who's interested in getting into creating content uh, for general fantasy or fantasy basketball or dynasty or whatever, uh, what would your advice be to somebody that's kind of interested in getting started there? Yeah, just keep writing. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned before, I got rejected at Fantasy Pros. I went out and did some goofy stuff with my friends, and, and I did it because I liked it. You know, I was putting stuff out on, uh, you know, Rinky Dink WordPress site that I got for free. I got the, you know, it was a WordPress dot, whatever we called it at that time, uh, and just putting out stuff that I liked. I was still doing the bad puns. I was still doing the, you know, the having fun with the analysis. Um and don't be afraid to go out and, and do this stuff 
just because you love it. Uh, when I started at Fantasy Pros, I was getting paid nothing to put articles out. I did it because I loved it. I did it because I wanted to continue to grow. Um, and the more you write, the more you ask for opportunities, the more you take on new opportunities, um, you know, the better you'll get and never be afraid to take on something that you think, oh, man, maybe this is going to be silly. Maybe this is not something that's for me. Uh, give it a shot. And, you know, I started doing football and ended up yeah, I do nothing but basketball now because I like basketball a lot more. So never be afraid to stretch out and try some new things uh, when it comes to content creation. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, putting yourself out there, um, being yourself. It really seems like within your writing, like you, you're including your puns and your dad jokes and, but it's kind of your style. And I think it's pretty enjoyable that way. And as far as reaching out, I know you're pretty, like, I think you're very good about responding to people when they tweet at you. Um, even when they tweet not so friendly things, you at least give them some interactions. Cause I know you've had your, your fair share of people share their opinion that isn't very friendly, but um, definitely just putting yourself out there, keeping the work. I think it's something that uh, it's fun to see. It's fun to see new people, new faces, but Zach, I know we talked about you write for Roto world slash NBC sports edge slash whatever we are. Um, do you have anything exciting coming up uh, with your content creation, whether it's for NBC or on your own? And like, I guess, where can we kind of find that work? I know you do a few other betting websites. So is there anything you got going on with that? Yeah, man, um, nothing crazy exciting right now. Um, you know, things are kind of dying down with the playoffs starting. Uh, we are doing some end of season roundtable stuff, me, you and Raph, which is going to be a lot of fun. I just sent in some stuff earlier. Uh, and then obviously we'll be getting into the off season, which is really when things take off and become a lot of fun. Um, for right now, yeah, I'm doing uh, betting articles at Sportsbook Review. And I just started doing some uh, articles for uh, Mojo, which is a new um, stock market uh, type of uh, fantasy platform, which is is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, got a couple of those things in the pipe right now. And, uh, yeah, just really excited for this offseason, man. I think this is this is going to be quite a bit of fun for uh, for the NBC crew. Yeah, going to be a, a fun offseason, going to be fun to breathe a little bit after a very hectic, busy season. Um, but definitely looking forward uh, to seeing what else you have putting out. Uh, and also, obviously, you know, draft guide's gonna gonna be around the corner too. So I'm sure yeah. that'll be that'll be fun as well. But Zach, the Blurb King, Blurb Legend himself. Uh, you guys can see you can find him at Zach the Monster on Twitter. Uh, feel free to hit him up about any fantasy related questions. He will give you his opinion. I think it's a pretty good opinion, especially with fantasy basketball fantasy football. If you ask him fantasy baseball questions, he'll give you his opinion, but I, I can't guarantee that it's going to be right. But Zach, thank you so much for joining. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for the kind words, brother. And thanks so much for having me on, man. It's always, it's always my pleasure. Yes, sir. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the tank me later podcast. 